podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Afternoon, as per usual, I'm your host, Declan McCondro, and I'm joined by Patrick McGill and Lawrence Conley. Um, it would be remiss of us to to start the, the bulletin today um, without mentioning um, the sad passing of, of Walter Smith, who's passed away, who's it's been announced today. Um, Walter, obviously, a rival in the football context, but somebody who, who bridged the divide, a, a good friend of Tommy Burns, obviously, that image of Walter and Ali McCoy's carrying. Tommy in his last journey is something very poignant to a lot of Celtic fans and something that was applauded that very day in the church. Um, well, personally, I met Walter a couple of times. Um, one time, particularly in a pub in the city centre, himself and Alan McCoy, as per usual, were going to one of their charity events. He was a great supporter of many different charities. Walter Smith, I think that's testament from John Hartson's tweet today, who said he went along to every single one of his uh, charity balls. And the two of them were in, they were having a drink and uh, we get chatting, we ended up talking about Tommy Burns. I was, I got my wee uh, dig back at Walter Smith, I said, you caused me a lot of misery when I was growing up at first. I said, but we're getting you back right now. But he took it all in good humour and uh, yeah, we had a good chat about Tommy and both of them are really top men, really nice guys. So um, that's, that's my thoughts on, on Walter Smith and obviously everyone at Axom um, extends their deepest sympathies to all of Walter's family and his friends. Um, Lawrence, obviously you'll be a bit more well-versed than me and Patrick since we are, um, you missed those, well, thankfully we missed those years of dominance and success by Walter Smith's team. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they caused you a lot of uh, days in the dumps, but um, sad news today. Yeah, you know, but, you know, as you said, any time you met him, absolute gentleman. Uh, school friend of mine, Karen Thomas White, he was actually a neighbour of his and, and Carmel and, and Thomas couldn't speak highly enough of him either, you know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've, I've never heard anyone with a, a bad word to say about him. So condolences to his family and the wider range of support. Patrick, um, just your thoughts on the sad news. Again, as I say, obviously me and you probably uh, can remember uh, a short spell of success, obviously took Rangers uh, to have a, a European final in 2008 but um, it's a big to Scottish football because of course he was in charge of the, the national team actually probably one of the first for, the mem- memories for us and that cracking uh, win over the, the world champions France with that world day from James McFadden Yeah um, I, I don't think I, I don't know about yourself but I'm not old enough to remember or I can't remember him ever being uh, in charge uh, I didn't follow football at the time I was only 9 or 10 Aye. A lot of misery at that but, time. Yep. Very unfortunate for you. Um, but obviously, no, a, a, a massively successful manager, Scottish football legend, and you know, Rangers fans will be able to comment better than me, but probably their most successful ever manager in terms of the amount of stuff he won in this, this, this space of time he was there. So, I have a very sad loss and uh, commiserations, obviously. Yes, and I think, like Mac, of any of our former strikers, a lot of Celtic, uh, former Celtic players. 
um, commented already on Twitter, um, Murder McLeod, I think somebody who went along to a lot of events with, with Walter Smith being one, but, but I think Frank McIverney summed it up perfectly when he said if you met Walter, you liked him, and it was as simple as that, and I think that was the case, and he did bridge the divide well um, with Celtic supporters and was a great you know, uh, figure throughout that, that sad loss of Tommy Burton's um, in 2008 so all of us here at Axon uh, wish the, the Smith family our deepest uh, condolences um, as well as that um, over the weekend obviously the sad news broke that from Johansson our former manager um, somebody who would have been a, a competitor of Walter Smith um, is very sadly um, suffering with dementia again uh, Lawrence will be a lot better well versed than me and Patrick on this I mean the distinctiveness of him with his uh, curly hair is something that me and Patrick probably well know about but um for yourself, um, you know, one season, but a season that meant a hell of a lot to a lot of Celtic fans. Yeah, I mean, the first manager we recruited from Japan, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, listen, ups and downs of that season, but we eventually got over the line, obviously, Falconbridge in the second last game, getting the equaliser up at Dunfermline. But you'll see him in the, the 78 World Cup. I think he's one of the boys Archie Gemmel beats on, on that run. Uh, so, back a player in his own right, but him and his number two, who you've already spoken about, Murder McLeod, uh, you know, they certainly delivered. Uh, and obviously, Celtic being Celtic at that time, you, you, you know, there was a fallout between the board and manager. And uh, unfortunately, it was only one season for him. Patrick, again, it's, uh, it's sad news that a former manager, and so, like so many that we've um, lost recently, Billy McNeil, Stevie Chalmers, uh, Charlie Gallagher, have all suffered from his terrible illness, and hopefully. Um, as the days and months and years go past, there, there can be something done about this. Yeah, it's something that, you know, Chris Sutton as well has been highlighting, you know, the link between dementia and football players heading the ball in particular. It's just, you know, I think the football authorities have actually known about this a lot longer than the public have and they, they, they've not really been doing much about it. So it's 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 criminal in that sense, but obviously best wishes to Wim Janssen and what a manager he was for the first season. Uh I I I don't remember the the, the Falcon was it Falconbridge you were saying there Lawrence? I don't remember it personally. But... One up Simon Donnelly put his one up. Simon will tell you this. He always says he stole Craig Falconbridge stole his place as the man that stopped the ten. Because uh, we just cause second half he just started sitting deeper and deeper. We only needed one one for the last two games. Two draws was going to be no good. And uh, yeah, Falcon ball into the box and up up went for I was in the Fairland end for that game. <laughs> I was with, I think about another eight. Or, Ten thousand fans, but uh, yeah, uh, 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 and and scored. But then it was back to paradise to Wim's signing. Yeah, you, you know, he, he knew a striker, didn't he? Uh, and Larson opened against St Johnston, and uh, Harold Tommy Boyd, you know, charging down a wing and across for for Harold to tuck it away and just put it beyond doubt because because it, it won one nil. George George Boyle would missed a cracking chance for St Johnston. You know. He would have stopped it, but yeah, yeah. I he, he loved a one nil ahead, Wim Janssen, and that was his. That was almost his downfall at Dunfermline uh, that day. Yeah, l- l- listen, and it was also kind of a bad start for the season. A, l- a few parallels. Yeah. Versus, you know, it was a really uh, obviously against Hibs, Charnley, Larson giving the ball away. Me Showbar, I didn't get a ticket for that game. I was in me Showbar, which is long since gone. But uh, I. Uh, Aye, there were a few we scraped through, but he built a decent team, you know, but buying Darren Jackson certainly helped that team, you know, he was a, a good link of the team for us, yeah, for it, but, uh, you know, no better sign than, than Larson, let's be honest. No, definitely not. No, definitely not. Um, he, he touched on there that he built a decent team, obviously, that post-McCann takeover Celtic were a bit hit and miss, obviously, they, they get the cut back to Celtic Park, stop to 10, uh, Dr Joe comes in, but one of the guys, and it's a good link that Patrick says there, and Chris Sutton, that we saw appearing uh, over the weekend. It was uh, good to see him looking well. With John Robertson standing alongside uh, Chris Sutton. I think Chris was trying to be cheeky when he said two European Cups between us. That's the two for Robo, not Big Chris. Um, but of course, when John came in with Martin, um, it was a period of real success there for, for Celtic. It was obviously nice to see that image of, of Robo. Uh, Lawrence, one of the questions Chris Sutton asked on that one was, in today's modern market, much would you be talking for a guy like John Robertson? Oh, the, the wee fat guy, one of the three wingers from View Park, you know, Johnston, Doyle and Robertson. Uh, a guy that wins you two European Cups, you, you, you know, it, it's got to be up towards 70, 80 million quid, isn't it? It's, there, there's no doubt in that. He was just, he was outstanding for Forrest. I mean, 
that you know Brian Clough, what a manager, you know, revolution, one of the re- guys that revolutionised football management. And uh, if he's telling you he's the best guy in his team, <laughs> you've got to listen to him, haven't you? It's you know, and he's telling the rest of the team, just give him the ball, <laughs> just give it to wee fat lad, you know. So I, I think upwards of seventy eight million, you know, conservatively. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it would go far. You know, I don't think too anything too far off that, or even more. Especially when you consider some of the other players that went for seventy eight million, that includes in a, a, a captain that lets in five goals at the weekend for uh, an English club that I've quite liked. <laughs> um, but uh, Patrick, um, yeah, on John Robertson, uh, obviously pitched alongside Chris Sutton, two absolutely massive figures. It can't be underestimated how much the the importance we have to that Martin and Hill side for those those four or five years that they were there. No, definitely not, and. Uh... You know what a player Chris Sutton was. I think he was. I think he gave an interview and he was talking just how vital John uh, Robertson was to Martin O'Neill, and he sort of speculated that that's why O'Neill didn't go, get on so well at Sunderland because he didn't take John Robertson with him. And you know, my dad, my uncles, and everyone in my family can. You know, they talk dead highly of Larson and Sutton and Martin O'Neill, but they always make sure to mention, you know, Steve Walford and John Robertson, how how vital they were, because you know. They were the ones sort of taking training and being be uh, daily contact with the players and all that. Not that Martin O'Neill wasn't, but you know, vitally important players uh, in w- what was such a successful era. Absolutely, um, important to have guys like that around the dressing room and guys that have been winners. Um, but we'll go right back to to Saturday's win against St. Johnson. Um, it's all links today. St. Johnson talked about William Jansen and stuff. It's, it's all coming together. <laughs> it's all fun, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. Um, so back to St. Johnson, obviously we've not been on since the, the victory at the weekend. Um, again, we'll do what we do. We'll just work through the team, talk about a lot of the guys in the, the, the team and, and what we thought. So something I'm going to come over to you, Patrick. First on it is Carol Starfield. Um, he's been a player that I think, you know, has had a bit of a hard time since he's came in from a lot of Celtic fans. Deservedly so at times. He's not looked as comfortable as maybe we'd like. But um, both, I think, Kim now and Vickers have got the best defensive record. Well, not just those two, but Celtic as a defensive got one of the best defensive records, if not the best in the league. Not bad for a kamikaze outfit. Um, in terms of the two of them at this point in time, two of them look solid and look very comfortable, don't they? They do, they do. Uh, it's just another clean sheet, isn't it? You know, Ferenc Varos and St. Johnson and hopefully another one at Hibs as well. But yeah, I think, as you say, the criticism was fair for Carroll Starfelt uh, earlier in the season. I, he scored that brilliant own goal for AZ Alkmaar. Uh, I think he made a few mistakes before that as well, and I, I've I've always said that he doesn't look that comfortable on the ball, but you know, he has a centre half playing in the Scottish league, albeit by far and away the best Scottish team in the league. But we're not going to get you know Sergio Ramos type players playing for Celtic, not for a few years at least anyway. Um, so you, you can't expect guys at the back to be totally comfortable on the ball, but. He, he does the basic stuff well and you know as Ange said he doesn't get too excited about clean sheets but we're not even conceding chances and that is the main thing and you know you can't concede a goal if you don't concede a chance so if if we keep doing what, what we're doing limiting chances we're, we're not going to concede any more goals and Starfield and Carter Vickers are, are doing that really well with the new partnership they've, they've struck up Yeah Lawrence I think possibly it was just a, a case of Given Starfield that bit of time just to kind of settle into Celtic. Obviously, he get thrown in at the deep end um, at Tynecastle, and I think we're a million miles away from from that opening uh, day defeat at Tynecastle to where we are at this moment in time. But has it just been a case he's had to just settle into that Celtic team, and we're now seeing what we've spent four million pound on because going on the weekend's performance, I think Man United would rather that Swede at the back than than Lindelof playing in there. Yeah, 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 definitely. Listen, I think time's a lot to do with it. Knowing who he's playing beside helps that, you know, your centre-halves need a partnership. He still looks a bit awkward, possibly, because he's a, a right-handed centre-half playing on the left-hand side of the fence. So sometimes I think when he plays a ball with his left foot, it just doesn't look as natural as when he plays it with his right. But, listen, he's winning headers, interceptions, tackles, his pass completion rate's good. So uh, he, 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 you can now see why we paid the money for him. Um, and it... If you're playing, you know, the only other left-hand side centre-back, or sorry, the only left-hand side centre-back we've got is Liam Scales, so it looks like that's where we're going to play staff for long term. And uh, I think it's, well, Cameron Carter-Vickers keep his place if Julian gets back to speed. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting in that. We're in our own Vickers. Um, Patrick, if, if there is that opportunity there, uh, come come May time, June time, um, obviously we've still got a long, long way to go in this season, but if Vickers keeps putting in performances that he's, he's been putting in at this time, sure the question's got to be asked because something that Celtic's lacked for you know a, a long, long time, even under uh, a very successful spell a, a few years ago, was... You know, real depth in, in that position, and we relied on bringing midfield players, obviously, into centre half. Surely the question's got to be asked if he keeps up these sort of performances, Vickers. A hundred percent, and I'd probably ask it in January as opposed to May. You know, the same with Jota, because you know, as you're saying about the lack of depth, we, we seem to consistently play Beaton and qualifiers in July, and it, you know, no disrespect to Beaton, he, he's a he's a He's a decent de- uh, squad player, uh, decent for squad depth, but he- he's definitely not a starting centre-half for Celtic in Celtic's most uh, important games of the season. So if you can have guys like Starfelt and Welsh settled on the team and bring in Carter Vickers in January, then you've got three centre-halves of a, of, a, of a decent quality going into the qualifiers and having played together for a full year as well. And you'll have Julian back as well uh, by that point as well. So... I think you just you need to prepare for these qualifiers early. That, that's if we have them, I suppose, because yep. you know you go straight into the group stages if you win the league this season. Um, but you know, regardless of all of that, you, you need to have squad depth, and we've not had that for a long, long time. Probably since Brendan Rodgers' uh, first two seasons, um, when we had Sviatchenko, Kolo Tuve, Semenovic, and Boyata. But yeah, he's definitely a, a great player. And what I'd also like to say is when he was um, when when he allegedly fouled Chris Kane by getting punched in the face, um, you know, all the players immediately ran over to support him. And I don't know if that's Carter Vickers, whether it's Ange, but I think that's been something that's been missing for quite a few years at Celtic. And it's good to see that back. Uh, players willing to, you know, not have a scrap, but get get stuck in and defend their teammates. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Lawrence, to throw that one over to you. One of the things that really frustrated me at Pitodzi was the, the Ramsey challenge. I think it was on Kyogo and nobody went over. Everybody just left it. Um, I think you've really seen a real good togetherness now at Celtic. That maybe was just missing it at times we've got. Obviously, there was a lot of big characters lost in the summer, but we've brought in guys like Joe Hart, who seems to be a real important figure in there at this moment in time. Um, McGregor just seems to be... You know, easing into that captaincy every single week, and then you're you're seeing the celebrations at the end at Fir Park and against Venice Varos. That this is a a close knit group that obviously have belief in themselves, but belief in their manager. Yeah, definitely. Listen, it takes a while to to foster team spirit. You know, the, the number of players we lost, it, it was always going to take a bit of time. It's good to see, you know, that it's back. As Patrick said, that they're, they're in there, you know, defending the players. But you know, you'd have thought putting a bit of pressure on the ref, you know. <laughs> Drawing attention to the fact, listen, he's just kicked him twice and punched him. But uh, obviously, Mr. Walsh thinks that's a yellow card offence. Uh, you know, on the centre half, the, the one you missed out, Patrick Young, Dan Murray, done well at the beginning of the season as well. So I, I don't know if we can maybe get him he out, you know, on loan for six months and maybe, you, you know, we are getting real depth at centre half now. Could do be another left hand sided centre half, probably. But, you know, it's just more, more natural. But, uh, Aye, the, the team spirit just takes a while, doesn't it? And maybe that's what we're benefiting from now. Angie's plans coming together. Trust the process. You know, he's he's done it in numerous clubs. So, you know, he's, he's definitely a guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on Nick Walsh because I think it's important to, to touch on that, especially um, not just in the context of what Patrick was saying, but just in terms of letting the, you know, the flow of the game go and coming off the back of you know, it was a fairly decent refereeing performance on Tuesday, a decent standard of refereeing performance in Europe on Tuesday, back to the SPFL and back to inconsistencies and total incompetence. Um, but the guy um, who's been in and out the Celtic team due to injury and, and whatnot, um, who has played out of position again at the weekend, Josip Juranovic, he's got a cracking penalty. Um, I think it's now time, you know, whenever Ange feels ready that he's got a left back there that he can you know, properly trust and he's going to nail him down to let Juranovic do his thing at right back and that's no disrespect to, to Tony Ralston but I think, you know, the money that we spent on him, Patrick, it's time to let him do his stuff at right back and he's, it looks like an important, he will be an important player for us. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's Croatia's first choice right back. Um, we spent two and a half million pounds on him. He's, I think he's an experienced player. Uh, he's played a few seasons in Poland, you know, just as good, if not better, a league than Scotland. 
Um, and I think going forward, he's probably better than Ralston. That's not me having a go at Ralston. Ralston's a, no. a, a perfectly capable uh, defensive. Uh, you know, the defensive absolutely. side of his game is, is is absolutely fine. You know, I think he made an important challenge against. Um, I think Vavos. it was it was Fenwick Vavos. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Starfield mistake. And it, he put the afterburners on. He was absolutely rapid getting mm-hmm. to the ball. Um, but mm-hmm. I think his crossing leaves a lot to be desired. Personally, he makes mm-hmm. the right runs. He gets into the right areas. But the final ball, I don't think, is there. And just going forward, you know, Andrews brought him on leaps and bounds. But you know, every player has a ceiling. And even then, I think Ivanovic just sort of naturally is a better player. And I think you've got to play your best players in their preferred positions. Um, I think he, he, you touched on it there. He's probably doing it because he, he doesn't have a settled left back. You know, he, I think he wanted to try out Bolly, but he can't really play Bolly consistently because he's not in the European squad. Uh, Taylor injured. Uh, I don't know what's up with scales, whether it's a fitness issue. Um, and then Montgomery, you know, took a knock and didn't have the best of games against Ferenc Varos, I don't think. So, uh, you know, just. It's just a matter of getting a settled left back, and I think you we you, you probably will see Ivanovic at right back going forward if everyone can stay fit. Yeah, um, somebody's questioning, but you're saying Antonio Ralston there. Danielle's coming in the comments asking, did he not get an assist at the weekend? Oh, I, so, I, I've, I've been caught out there. I have. He did get an another assist. Another assist. Another <laughs> assist. Another <laughs> assist. That is another assist, and as Patrick says, that his defensive game looks perfectly fine. Um, I think he is. I, I would agree with Patrick. He's a bit limited in terms of his final ball. But he's not let us down one bit this season. It probably would be harsh to take him out of the team um, if the manager does feel he's quite comfortable playing Juranovic at left back. But what is your thoughts on this? Do we stick with the same two tomorrow night at Easter Road? Or do we, you know, chop and change it again? Do we bring ball and goalie in at left back and drop Juranovic or drop Ralston? But what's your thoughts on it? What, what, what do you think the manager will do? Listen, if Taylor was, Taylor was that, I think Juranovic would be playing right back. I think he is a better player than Ralston. It'd be hard to drop Tony, but I think Juranovic is just a level above him. But remember, Tony's only 22. He's come through the ranks. It's not in a lot of football. Callum didn't kick on to kind of 23, 24. So, you know, there's still potential for him to progress. I think left back something we'll look to sign in the transfer window because we do need to get that, that, that sorted out. But, Easter Road, I think he's going to stick in the same. Even though Juranovic does well at left back, I still think they look a wee bit unbalanced. It's not as balanced as it looks as when we've got a natural left back and, and Taylor in there, uh, who's an, also another boy that's a bit of stick but throws in the assists. So I, I, I think to, tomorrow night is, is, I wouldn't change it. I'd have Juranovic and, and Tony Ralston. But it'll be good, you know, when the two of them are fine out. It's good to have competition at right back. Uh, it's something, you know, Obviously, Andrew's come in and identified their weakness. He's brought Juranovic to solve that weakness. But I think Tony Ralston has surprised everybody this season. Yeah, he has surprised everybody this season. And there's obviously chatter and uh, a new contract as well. And that's one thing I think we should absolutely do is tie him down on a new contract. I think any Celtic fan has proved every Celtic fan wrong that question him. And I would totally agree, Lawrence, that there probably is a wee bit more to, to come from him. And somebody like Josip Juranovic in there beside him should only help him. Uh, learn both sides of the game um, but I think you know coming from the comments in here it would be um, it would be harsh to, to drop Ralston for his performances he gives us 100% every game um, but again it's what, what's going to be best for the team and it was what's going to win football matches football matches and that's why the, the manager um, will be ruthless but again ball and goalie left out the squad I don't think he was even in the bench in, in Saturday there Patrick what is it with him do we just drop him in when we need him or you know, do, do you see him getting any type of run of games in the team? It just seems a bit strange to me. That is, it's rather odd. Um, obviously, couldn't be involved against Ferenc Varos for you know squad reasons. Um, well, I don't know whether he's just sort of picked up a, a knock in training and the manager's forgotten to mention it in a press conference or something. That seems to be the only logical explanation to me because you know he, he, had, a, he, had, a, he had a good game against Motherwell. I thought I don't think he was exceptional, but he didn't make any mistakes. So it's it's a question, you know, why why isn't he in the squad? Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Angel, Angel have his own ways and of of working of thinking. He'll he'll have his own explanations, and I'm hoping that we'll see a a, a left back at left back uh, tomorrow night because 
you know, we, we've technically got four options there, uh, and I'd like to see one of them. One of them used. Obviously, can't use Taylor. He's injured. But uh, as you know, I'm not a massive fan of playing players at a position. Uh, so I'd quite like you know Montgomery scales up a ball at the start tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence, on this comment from Paulie, he's talking about you know the massive fixture list that we've got. Um, not to frighten people, but we're only probably two weeks away again from another international break. You'd imagine Juranovic will go away with Croatia as well. Um, there should be enough minutes to keep both happy. Is it just a case of rotation? But in terms of those two, switch them about at right back. And as Patrick says, they'll play players in their natural position. Listen, there's definitely enough minutes, and if one gets injured, you, you, you're not worried about the backup now. You know whether you see Tony as the backup or Juranovic as the backup. You're, you're kind of fairly happy we're covered at right back. But I think Juranovic will play left back because he's our second best left back at the club, even though he's a right back. I think that just kind of speaks to the the, the qualities of you know uh, Montgomery, Bolly, uh, and Scales more than anything else. And I know Montgomery's done well; he's a young boy. A lot of time to improve, but I think Bolly's fourth or fifth choice left back. I'd be surprised if we weren't trying to move him on. Uh, Possibly, it could be. It could be that that we're just putting them in the the short window for a for a move away in January. That could be a possibility because you know, but we've got was it four players? Did you say they're passing in that position? You wouldn't be able to accommodate four players. Um, yeah, first if you include Jovanovic, I think, but I, yeah, I so, don't want to include him. No. Yeah, so but, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know completely keep everybody happy there so um, I, again we'll see what happens when January uh, rolls round but yes um, to move away from defence up top um, we saw Georges Giacomakis make his debut for Celtic starting um, up top at the weekend obviously he bagged a goal great goal um, been reminded about that Ralston assist that wasn't the easiest of finishes uh, for Giacomakis with the amount of power that was in the assist but he placed it away well but I think one of the you know Concerns for maybe a lot of Celtic fans is Kyogo um, not playing through the middle just looks a bit wasted. He's still, you know, he'll track back, he'll do his running, but um, to throw us one to you, Patrick, you know, I think the only way that we can really properly execute Kyogo in games is if we play him through the middle. So, what do you think that then means for Giacomakis? Does it change a shape, or do you see it whenever Giacomakis gets the game, the Kyogo will be played in the left and Effectively, you're not playing him in his best position, which is something the manager had back to, uh, and when we played at Ibrox, not playing him through the middle. I think it's, I think it's important to remember that you know, we played, I think it was six qualifying games this season, and if you get to both cup finals, that's nine cup games, along with six group stage games and thirty league games. So you're playing upwards of fifty games a season, and Kyogo can't play every single one of them. So Giacomakis will definitely get game time and he'll probably start 10-15 games at least. Um, I agree with you that Kyogo is wasted out in the right. Um, I, you know, I was sort of thinking about you know why is he do playing you think, there. But... Do you think he could grow into that position? No, because it is only the first time I've, I've saw them obviously play up together or do you just think he's just I'd, far better I'd prefer it. the middle? I'd prefer it if he didn't grow into that position, to be honest, because I'd, I'd quite like him up front. Um because you know the movement off the ball, the runs in behind, the goals that he gets—it's it's pretty unbelievable. And he played out left at Ibrox. He's played out right uh, on Saturday there, and I just don't think he get involved in the game. You know, he, I think he, he finds it difficult to get involved in the game. Um, I, I, ju- I just think he's he's the starting striker, and Giacomakis, you know, has to earn his earn his place. You know, earn his starts. Um, He'll probably come on as a substitute, sixtieth or seventieth minute most games. Or, you know, if we're needing a goal, we might come on, you know, for a cross or, or, or holding up the play. But no, he'll get game time. But I think he'll go as the number one, the, the number one striker. Lawrence, what's your thoughts on this? Is it a case of bide our time with Kyogo go out on the wing, or is it revert back to what we've been doing and it's worked so well for us? And let Giacomakis come in and prove himself for us off the bench and. Obviously, as Patrick's saying, some games that you will rotate due to the amount of fixtures that we've got, see what he's like then. We can't really know that kind of Kyogo's only half a season at centre forward before joining us. You know, he was a winger. So maybe part of it is he's, he's not used to playing out in the wing. He would need to grow into it and understand who's behind and who's supporting him. But uh, he's got some record as a centre forward for us. So for, for, for me, he is your number one centre forward. 
but, but it's great that we've now got competition because when it was out earlier, it injured it really hampered us. You know that we didn't have someone that could step in. Yakimakis, it looks like a boy knows where the back of the net is. He gives us something different. I thought the St. Johnston defence looked really unsettled with, with his physicality in there. Uh, you've touched on it. We, we do put a lot of crosses into the box, and now it looks like we've got somebody that, that can do something with them and get on the end of them. Mm. Um, Patrick, is, Kenny's come in here in the comments and just said that Kyogo is effective out there, as Lawrence has said there. He's played as a winger um, quite a lot in, in Japan, so it looks as if you know it might be the case that he will be, be played out there. Um, for the foreseeable but Jake Marcus again have not been on we were on last week just before the game against Fenich Varos right away when he came on he just looked a, a breath of fresh air and something that would give us something absolutely different obviously we saw him uh, in flashes at Firth Park but in terms of his uh, effectiveness when he came on against Fenich Varos will certainly give us something a lot different that we don't get from Albina Yeti Yeah definitely I mean you don't get much from Albina Yeti really do you so um, uh, you, you know you've got a height you've got a physicality I think his first touch is a lot better. I thought a Yeti would be good at winning fills, you know, but uh, Giacomakis, certainly when he came on against Fevink Varos, is pretty good at winning fills on the halfway line late in the game, you know. Just to go back to Kyogo, you know, we've got Abada, Forrest and Kawamoko on the right wing uh, and you've got Jota and Mikey Johnson on the left, on the left wing. So I, I'm just not a fan of moving our top goal scorer and arguably our best player this season out of his preferred position. But if he were to do it, I wouldn't be playing him in the right wing. I'd be playing him in the left wing because Mikey Johnson's just coming back from injury and you're getting to the stage where I think Jota will probably need to set a game out for a rest or something, you know, because as much as he's on form, he's going to have to take a rest eventually. Not only that, I think we all seen the links two or three days ago to, I think it is Maeda, the uh, the Japanese winger, you know the fastest yeah, player in uh-huh. Japan by a good by a good distance. So if if we're allegedly signing him for a million or two, which I think we are, you're going to have four right wingers. So I don't think there's there's any need for Kyogo in the right wing, personally. Yeah, uh, one of those wingers, obviously, Karimo Kudumbeli, who we saw a photograph of last <coughs> week. Um, hopefully, we can get him back to fitness. A horrendous challenge in a pre-season game, um, from Palmer on and Karimoko. And again, this could have been a season that he breaks through, but hopefully we'll get uh, back into the squad um, at some point this season and maybe we can see him again. But uh, in terms of wingers, uh, Lawrence, I think it's important to touch on Mickey Johnson. Um, you know, made his return, I think, for part was his return uh, in a Celtic Tuesday from injury. He came on against Ferenc Varos and looked, you know, a, a breath of fresh air again. He was very, very flary. Um, he was going at defenders and again at the weekend, he looked good when he came on. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's possibly next Saturday, looking away from Easter Road against Livingston at Celtic Park, a good chance to give Mikey Johnson a game and maybe, as Patrick says, a Jota a rest because we don't know, obviously, but we've given a bad rest at the weekend. We could possibly see his return tomorrow night at Easter Road, but um, is it <coughs> Mikey Johnson's chance to get back into the Celtic team because he looks 
to me as if he's he's on game and uh, just quickly before we come to your selling this he's been praising Anton McElhone uh, in the press during the week saying that he's did a lot for him since he's came in which is great to hear because um, I do imagine that if McElhone's having that effect and Mikey Johnson he's having it in other players the other injured players and uninjured players Yeah well listen just touch quickly on them belly though the problem is we need to get him to sign a contract I think you know because you can speak to other clubs in January Ready stuff and praising Anton. He also praised Joe Hart, you know, helping him return from injury. He's definitely looked good, but you know, the last two seasons have more or less been right off for him. I think, he, although he's on the left wing, he's got between now and the January transfer window to kind of prove that he can do it, or else I think we'd be in the market for another left winger. Yeah. I, I'm not too sure I'd give Jota a rest. I don't think he's been off the boil. I think a bad went off the boil. Um, and maybe that's kind of why he got a rest. Jota seems to be thriving game and game. He just oh, yeah. seems to be getting better Absolutely. and better. I mean, when Mikey came on at the weekend, he was really unlucky not to score. You know, he, he made that yard of space in the box for himself. He curls one in. You see he's taking players on and beating him. He's another boy that's come through the club. It, more or less, he's, he's the same age as Jota, isn't he? So, you know, he's a guy that can improve. And we've got a manager... He's got a reputation of developing young players. So it's all made for him to, to kind of do it in the next couple of months before the, the transfer window opens. If, if he's not starting, I would expect to see him coming on uh, and seeing what he can do, uh, see if he can change a game. Because he's, he's definitely got a, a trick or two in, in him. He knows how to beat a guy. You know, the last two seasons have been right off, but the previous two seasons, it was kind of a goal every four games or so, wasn't it? It was, it was scoring for, for the previous two. So... There's definitely a player in there, but I think he needs to prove he can do it at this level for us now. We can get back to that after having two horrendous seasons with injury. Patrick, again, though, he's another option. It was options that we were badly lacking um, the pre-international break when we just didn't really have anything to come off the bench and change games. So it's great to have you know players like that that can come on and impact games. Um, but again, that ties in with, with the manager. Again, I thought it was a very controlled performance at the weekend. St Johnson never looked as if they would score. Um, Callum Davidson obviously set his team up to, to come and be hard to break down. It was, you know, for large parts of the game, 10 men behind the ball. They weren't leaving guys up and, and whatnot. But um, in terms of, you know, how we've approached the, the past three games, it's nine, nine out of nine, obviously two in the league and, and one uh, in the Europa League. Was this how it was always meant to be? Just a complete, you know, Dominance and and displaying, you know, everybody spoke about Ange Ball as free flowing and going at teams, but you know, I think in the last three games, if we play like that for the rest of the season, I'll be more than happy. Yeah, I think people are probably expecting, you know, five two, six three, uh, three one, and all that. But you know, what Ange said, you know, if if we can get the defence right, what he wants isn't necessarily clean sheets, but you know, something behind that that explains the clean sheets, and that's you know, limiting chances for the opposition. And I thought we'd done that, you know, I think St Johnson, I think they only had one shot on target, if any at all, I don't think they had a shot on target. target. Joe, Joe Hart, nothing to do, and still made some yeah. pundits team of the week. So a goalkeeper without <laughs> any saves to make, makes the team of the week. You've got to wonder about <laughs> these pundits, haven't you? You're kind of going. Uh, Whereas Xander Clark, you could have seen, seen him being in team of the week, you know, he's a decent yeah. keeper. Made yes. yes, and can score for a corner as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but as you were saying as well, Lawrence, you know, I think Mikey Johnson hit the post, he knows how to beat a man, and uh, he played a wonderful ball through for Jota, which we haven't, you know, spoken mm. about against Ferenc Varos, you know, yep. Jota probably should have scored, made it 3-0, uh, so yeah, another good option, and um, yeah, I mean, if, if we can play against that, play uh, like that against Hibs, um, I don't think Hibs had a shot on target against Aberdeen on Saturday, I could be wrong, I know they didn't score, Um but, you know, I think that's that's two games in a row now Hibs have failed to score. So, you know, if we're limiting chances and they're struggling for goals, it, it only bodes well, you know. So I think if we put in a good performance and play our best players, you know, hopefully Abad is rested and Kyogo's rested, and not rested, but can go back into the middle. Um, you know, just hopefully another 2-0 victory. Yes, um, Kevin Graham, who was obviously one of our other contributors, has came in in the comments. Hope Kev's well. He said that Anne said that he didn't bother with defences. If he played the way he wanted, we wouldn't give up chances. That is what's happening at this moment in time, Lawrence. It's as if, you know, everything that we were maybe doing uh, pre-international break there just wasn't executing his game plan 
uh, effectively, but now we are. We're not giving up those chances. So really, in terms of defending, it's just something we don't need to worry about because we go forward so well. And again, we've not been on since last week. Jota, absolutely tremendous last week. And he's, again, at the weekend, fantastic performance. Um, he's such a joy to watch at this moment in time. But in terms of what Patrick's uh, saying there, is it just a case of, you know, we've found a rhythm now and we can just rock on from here? I think so, you know, that I'm now understanding that I, what Ange wants, where they should be in the park and what his vision is as a whole. And the team are getting used to their roles and how to perform them better. We're also getting a lot of players back for injury, which has given us options now that we didn't have. But you know, we can freshen things up. We've got dangerous players we can bring off the bench, which which also helps. Long time since we won at Easter Road. Uh, you know, I know you've been looking up a few anniversaries, kind of ten, twenty years ago, or whatever. We've had big ones on the same date, but. You know, if we win tomorrow night Easter Road, that I think that's a huge sign for us. Maybe catching Hibs at the right side, you know. We've had three losses. We've had three wins. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we could be catching at the right time. We could be catching at the right time. So, we'll move right on to Hibs. Um, Patrick, last season, um, Hibs is one of my bad memories of deepest, darkest lockdowns in November, having to pay for the old pay-per-view game and a uh, it was heading towards another defeat in that very bleak run of a uh, miserable, was it 12, 2 and 12 or 2 and 14 or something? 2, two and 12, that. I think it was. 2 and 12, I don't want to remember. Um, what, Laxalt, 1 and 11, if you discount the uh, semi-final from right. the season before? Um, Laxalt pop, popped up at the 91st minute with a goal in that 2-each draw. And then uh, after the, the COVID debacle in the January, uh, after a great, free kick from David Turnbull Nisbet popped up at the very end at Celtic Park in the 91st minute so we played four against Sibs last season we won one of the games one of the better performances last season and beat them 3-0 at Celtic Park in September and we drew the other three um, the last time we played Hibs the starting 11 um, sorry if anybody gets any PTSD flashbacks here <laughs> was uh, Barkas Kenny Ayer Welsh Taylor Brown McGregor Christie Turnbull Elanusi Edward um, Probably tomorrow night, only two of those players will start. I'd imagine that'd be McGregor and Turnbull. Um, what's your expectations for this game? Because it's a place that we've failed to win at in the league since 2014. Um, one of the things I'm worried about that you know the manager spoke about with Livingston was the, the players buying into the mindset that this was a difficult place to go to. It's somewhere that they don't do well at. How does he get over that barrier? And we go into this... And a lot better place than maybe we're getting at that Livingston game and that maybe that mindset was just keeping in a bit too much. Well, I think it's it's much like the Livingston game, really, because it's a tough place to go, but we should definitely be winning the game of football. Because if we play our usual game, or if we play above our usual game, nine times out of ten we should win the game. Arguably ninety-nine times out of a hundred we should win the game. But you know, it's these it's these four grounds, isn't it? Uh Tyne Castle, the spaghetti had Ibrox and Easter Road we've, we've really really struggled the last three seasons um, so you know uh, the expectation is always to win the game when you're a Celtic fan especially playing in the league but you know I, I think I think it has come at the right time what Lawrence said you know they've said that never mind getting a, a win they, they can't get a goal you know and you know we're keeping clean sheets uh, we're, we're scoring goals we're winning 2-0 comfortably uh, so yeah I expect us to win the game yeah, um, I hope we win the game. I'm making the, the journey through. Um, Tennessee Celtic fans that are making the journey through, check out what John Paul's been saying on Twitter. I think there's a bit of a disaster with roadworks, etc. And obviously there's going to be the, the vaccine passport checks as well at the stadium. So uh, give yourself plenty of time to get to Easter Road tomorrow night. Um, but Lawrence, in terms of, you know, that starting 11 that I, I read through there, we're going to go there with, you know, probably nine fresh players that, Either haven't played at Easter Road, probably haven't played at Easter Road with the players that we've got in the team. And um, Nelson, maybe if he does start, might be one who's maybe played there in youth games or something. Uh, or maybe, don't think even featured in the Brendan Rodgers there. So, um, going to Easter Road, what's your expectations for this game? Because as you, you pointed out, it's 0 and 9 for Hibs, but it's 9 out of 9 for the tick. So, when you touch that, how, how do we get the mindset right? And that probably comes from winning games. So, I think, you know, the team's going to have a bit of confidence now. We've won away at Petaudry, you know, we're built on that, we're getting 2-0 wins. It's, 
we're certainly tight at the back, we're scoring goals, we've got options. So I think the team should be going, on, going there in good spirits. Probably part of the mindset thing is maybe Ralston played under there, Dundee United or St Johnston there, but there is fresh players, you know, they they haven't struggled at Easter Road, if you know what I mean. So that shouldn't be really in their mindset because it's the first time they've played there. You, you would Absolutely. hope, you know, they're going in off the back of, you know, going in on a winning streak, they're facing a team that's lost the last three, as Patrick said, struggling for goals. But it looks like they're getting things right on the park now. So I, I'm expecting us to win. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a return to more goals, just at the form that Hibs are in. So I'm going to go like 4 1 4 now, I think. Oof. Lawrence, four four Something. goals at Easter Road. <laughs> It'd be a good night out for me if we do that. Well, um, but Patrick, it's because of the date, mate. Ten years ago we scored four. Twenty years ago we scored four mm-hmm. on the same day yeah. at Easter Road on both mm-hmm. occasions. And also today is uh, the anniversary of the League Cup final of '74, six uh, three. Um, Joe Harper obviously scored a hat trick that day, but was in the losing side because the other man scored a hat trick and giving away hoops. Uh, Dixie Deans. Um, made it two hat-tricks in a space of about a week against Hibs and would follow, uh, you know, I don't think any Hibs fans have probably got good memories of Dixie Deans and, and Kingdom White Hoops because he just seemed to bang the goals past them. Hopefully something that our striker uh, can do tomorrow night. But Patrick, it is a fresh start for, for Celtic in this. We go into this game having won the past three games, having played very well in the past three games. Um What's your expectations? Because I think it still will be tough. It's a tough venue to go to. But if we can go Easter Road and win the game, what does that say about the Celtic side? Because like many other Celtic sides who have went on to be successful, including Brendan Rodgers in this, have still struggled at that stadium. They have. And, you know, it's just another monkey off the back. You know, we're, we're desperate for an away win up until that Aberdeen game. And I think we said on here that... Uh, I certainly thought to myself, you know, after the Aberdeen win, you've got to win it for Park against Motherwell because otherwise, it, Aberdeen's a is a one-off, especially when you're going to Easter Road a week and a half later. So it, I thought I think the Motherwell game is really important as well. Uh, three away wins in a row would be brilliant. Uh, winning at Easter Road for the first time since 2014 in the league would be brilliant. Um, and you know, if we play the way the way that that we're playing, you know, it's just. Another confidence booster, and it it should be a, a routine victory. And I suppose you know another thing that sort of plays in our favour is that Jack Voss can't seem to win big games. You know Sunderland and Hibs, he, he, he can't win big games. It's it it's a massive flaw of his. Uh, so you know Celtic's a big a big game for Hibs. So hopefully you know I, I'd like a six three, but I'd also take a one 0 Yes, uh, absolutely, and it's going to be. It's going to be a really decent game of football again because Hibs will want to try and obviously get points. They went up to Petodia at the weekend and lost to a poor Aberdeen team who couldn't get a, a win for, for love nor worry. I think they'll probably want their chairman to go back in BBC Scotland and shoot <laughs> every week if they can then uh, get victories under their belts. But um, it's going to be tough. Obviously, we saw East, uh, sorry, Hibs go to um, one of the other teams in the league and have a man say, oh, if it probably changed their their game plan that weekend, uh, Lawrence, but they're still a decent enough side that obviously got to, <coughs> you know, cup final and whatever else last season, but it's been an overhaul for Hibs as a team, not played them this season. Um, in terms of starting 11, one of the things I was going to ask you was, Petaudry, the game that we needed to get the win, we brought in uh, near Beaton into the side and in some big games, some people would prefer to have the, the number six as we, we've spoken at great length on here about um, in the side do you see any possible changes to the starting 11 or do you think that Ange just found settled 11 I, I, I think he'll stick with the same you know but continuity get into this will be good listen Hibs have still got danger men there you, you, you know and Boyle Nisbet yeah Boyle Nisbet you know they're definitely Nisbet beginning of the season his stock's only risen since then, and Hibs would maybe want too much money from us now eh, for him. You know, we've been rumoured about Boyle a few times, but Angel know all about Martin Boyle. So I, I think it's difficult, but I think we'll go in with the same starting 11. I don't see him changing anything for it. Patrick, do you think he's found his settled 11, or could you see any changes in it this side, or do you even think that possibly again at the weekend, they will slip with Jake Kamakis up front and Kyogo? 
out in the winger, do you see a return for Lulabada? Well, funnily enough, you know, we were all talking about, you know, does he need to play a number six, you know, to help with the defence? And, you know, the, the three games, we haven't played a number six. The last three games, we haven't played a number six and we've kept clean sheets and barely given up any shots. So I don't, I don't see why we change it. And, you know, why we, why change a, a winning formula? Um, we've won the last three, four games. So, I know, I just stick with the same team. Uh, not only that, I'm not a fan of any of our sort of defensive midfield options at the moment, you know. Soros good for Abukin, McCarthy's unfit and I'm not Beaton's biggest fan, so no, I I'd just stick with the not. same team. <laughs> and I know you're not Beaton's biggest fan. Lawrence, <laughs> uh, one of the comments coming in here, thanks again to everybody for commenting on the show. Are he's speaking about Hibs' style of play, obviously they're a team that likes to play football, that likes to have a good go. That could certainly benefit us tomorrow night because, you know, on Saturday we're playing a side there against the Johnson who, you know, 10 men behind the ball, hard to break down, will sit in and don't want to leave any gaps. But if Hibs want to have a go at us, they will leave gaps, and sure that can only be effective for us. Definitely. You know, the weekend, I suppose Davidson, he's managing St Johnston, he's not there to make entertainment. You know, you know, the first five minutes they had a goal, and then, as you said, it's 10, 11 men behind the ball after that, until 15, 20 minutes to go. And, and and then they try to up front. You, you know, if they'd got a point, they'd have been happy, wouldn't they? Uh, so that's how a, a lot of teams kind of see it going for them. But you know, they've also seen teams at Celtic Park play a bit more open against us at the beginning of the season and get absolutely hammered. So I'm hoping we can transfer that to on the road if teams play open against us, we can actually you know score three or four away because we've got the players available now. You know, we've got cover on just about every position. So. There's no reason, especially when a form hibs are in, that, that we can't take advantage yet just now. No, there's no reason why not we can't take advantage because, um, again, as we spoke about earlier on, I think a lot of the time that we've went into some of these games, it's been about in terms of where they were. Um, and going into that Livingston game, it's probably very easy for that mindset of a difficult venue to go to, took over a bit too much. But at this point in time, we, we see ourselves in a good place. Um, Patrick, something that we asked and I asked you when we were on international break obviously it's very difficult to try and keep the conversation going during an international break just because Celtic aren't playing um, what's your expectations post-international break and what you actually expected from Celtic um, I think t- tomorrow night's going to be a defining moment in that uh, obviously first part was a very tricky game Phoenix Varro's very tricky again at home as was St Johnson but I think this one would be the standout one in all of these games. Obviously, I know we're still to travel to Hungary to play in Budapest next Thursday evening, but um, I think this would probably be one of the points that if you do go and win the game that you will look back on in the season and see as a, a really important victory. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, you don't win a league eight or nine games in. I think this is, is it our eight or ninth game, I think, in the league. Um, but, you know, Aberdeen is a standout game. Uh, this if we win it, will hopefully be a standout game come the end of the season. And it, it's just an opportunity to, you know, get, get rid of a horrendous record at Easter Road and it really, really kick on. Really, really kick on. Elite, with our... But it's a really bad record there. Really uh-huh. bad record. And it, it's a really good opportunity to kick on away from home because that's, you're talking about three away wins in a row. Hopefully, if both our and Hibs form continues, it'll be three away wins with uh, two clean sheets. And you know four clean sheets in a row or something, you know, and then you've got a, a game against Livingston at home as well to really build on some brilliant momentum, uh, and then a trip to Hungary as you say next Thursday. So, no, just again, it's it's another opportunity really for players to you know show their show their ability, show their skill, for Ange to show how far he's taking the team in such a short space of time, uh, an opportunity for guys like Mikey Johnson, Gia Kamakis, you know all those guys, and you know just. I think you just got to treat it as a cup final, but also a massive opportunity. Yeah, it is a massive opportunity to you know put one right there and, and get the the victory that we hope um, hope for. But Lawrence, again, as Patrick's touched on there, after Easter Road, the games are coming very thick and fast. We've got Livingston again at Celtic Park. Um, I do imagine that they will come with a very similar approach to St. Johnson and try and sit in and be very hard to break down. Obviously, the weekend the the opener. G. Kimakis comes from, you know, a bit of break of the ball with a shot and then it falls to him. Um, but again, if you can go to Easter Road and, and get the victory, you would expect us to do the business against Livingston and get some revenge on them. 
Yeah, I mean, you're expected to win every home game, aren't you? Livingston away is the, the, the tough game, not so much at Celtic Park, you know, traditionally they are able to take care of them. But we're on form if we build on that way, we're we win at Easter Road. Confidence has got to be, be sky high amongst the squad then, hasn't it? You know, and there's real competition for, for places now, which is great to see. You know, if Livingston are a wee bit more physical, you'll get Yakimakis. There is an option. Maybe Ange fancies Yakimakis because we could all go sitting just behind him in two wingers. I, I don't know. Well, you know, I suppose we'll, we'll know in time. But it's a huge game again. Again, Sibs gets the monkey off the back of not winning at Easter Road. It continues, you know, if we win, it continues on a great run of form. Uh, you know, we're. I think 10 games in, that's the 11th game. It's you know, we're just over a quarter of the way through the season and we're starting to look like a decent outfit now. I mean, Ange just turned it around really, really quickly. Uh, you know, before we know it, we'll be into the, the January transfer window and let's hope the board break with tradition and, and do spend a bit of cash and, and back the, the manager. Yeah, because I think, you know, one of the things that a lot of people were saying after the victory at Putaudry was that if we could just get to January, see what we can do then and try and keep ourselves in it. But with the way that we're actually playing at this moment in time, Patrick, you'd like us to be really challenging uh, by that point then because in the form and some of the football that we're playing, if we can keep everybody fit and we can keep guys like Jota, Kyogo, um, even Tom Rodgick, who's you know, playing out his skin at times for us at this moment in time, if we can keep them on song, there's no reason why we can't be right up there, um, if not at the very top when it comes to to the January transfer window in the break. Yeah, I mean, we could be, you know, it, it, we could be anywhere between one point and seven points behind come half past nine on Wednesday night. And you know, if it's still four, I'd I'd be quite happy with that personally. Obviously, I'd like it to be one, um, one point. But what we've came out the end of a really really tough set of fixtures. You know, Bayer Leverkusen, Betis. Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, Livingston, Hibs. It's it's an unbelievable run. And to only be four points behind with a new manager and effectively a new squad, it, it's not the worst position to be in, especially when you're hitting form with a squad that's coming back to full fitness. Mm. And then you're looking at a set of fixtures that I wouldn't say are easy, but are probably favourable. Because I think you're looking at you know uh, Livingston at home, Dundee away, uh, and then after the international break, you've got a semi-final against St Johnston, and in the mix of all that, a few European games. Um, so uh, again, it's just another opportunity, really, to to sort of build in the momentum, pick up uh, three points, you know, home and away, and try and kick on in Europe, and you know, just I think people were sort of hoping we'd raid Japan <laughs> in January, but you know, I think you know the talk of that in August and September. You know, there's 15 league games between September and January, so I think we did have to really, really hit form with the squad that we had. And if we can build on that come January, I think we could be a frightening outfit come the second half of the season. Yeah, um, Lord, it's one of the comments coming in here that you can't get the players we have in the team and you want more, but I think it's, it's more a case of depth. And we, we did see that, you know, when we did go through that injury crisis that the squad... Um, you need a big squad to go through this whole season with the amount of competitions that we do compete in as we do need bodies in the door so we know it's not you know, we've got a decent enough starting to live in, but we're still at this point in time short of a very good squad aren't we? Well we're playing a right back at left back so yeah. <laughs> you know it's we, we are short in numbers there's players in the squad although you, you maybe want to move out you know I think they touched on it yesterday you know you maybe want to move Barkas out Boy Ayeti you, you know, there's three that you could hardly want to move, bring the wage bill down and reinvest it in better players. Yeah, I mean, there's talk of Japan uh, bringing players in for there, which will be the end of their season. So I suppose Kyogo will have played a full season by then. They're almost asking to play like a season and a half. Uh, so, so that, you know, potentially could take its toll on Kyogo. I know he had a, a breakthrough injury there. But anyone we bring in from Japan's going to have just played a full season as well. I, I think we, you know, it's been showing me a lot there, but. You know, we don't have a lot of injured players at the moment. You know, Forrest is maybe a couple of weeks coming back. Julian's rumoured about, you know, maybe a month. And unfortunately, kind of Dembele and Taylor are longer than that. But I don't know. We could easily get another three or four injuries between now and the, 
the transfer window, and, and we're back to where we were before. You know, absolutely. You know, it, it is really threadbare. I think Anne just came out and said that. You know, we need more players in. You know, he said that last transfer window. We, we need to get more in. It uh, says we're going to be better prepared for it this time round. So I'm assuming something's going on in the background. We've been linked with the Japanese boy, the boy from Brazil, uh, and obviously Buchanan down at uh, Derby County at left back. Yeah, that's one of the links that is coming out. Um, and again, passing on this this comment from Will here, he's talking about the right players that, that fit the system. I think for a lot of Celtic players that have been there um, previously at the club, and obviously Andrews came in, are the guys that he's actually brought to the club, like Starfield, you know, the guys that were spoke about. Uh, is there any player system that maybe a lot of them haven't been suited to, like Starfield? You know, Celtic at home is going to have a lot of the ball. They're going to you know, move the ball a lot around the bank. just makes something that, that they're not suited to. But if you can get players in that are, are suited to that again. The, the guys around you, you know, will rise to the level as well because obviously Stephen Wells has been one of the players that we've seen at the team um, for a wee while now. But I, I do imagine if Stephen Wells does come back in, the team will look a lot more comfortable. I would assume, and um, just due to the way in which he's probably training, feel more comfortable playing with the guys that are there. And you know, in terms of the system that we're speaking about, it is there to see. And if you can add players in, that, you know, feel comfortable with playing. Possession-based football it can only be good. Yeah, uh, just on Stephen Wells, you know, he, he sort of he had that one game against Hamilton Ackies, which he played really well, and then his second ever start for Celtic was Rangers at home in that two-nil loss. And I thought it was a very limited pass with the ball at that time because he only really passed to Duffy, who was next to him in front point to his right hand side. But I'd actually say passing is probably his, his biggest strength now. He, he's probably the most comfortable pass with the ball at centre half at Celtic. It's his defending that you could probably point to and say, you know, that needs a bit of work. But again, I think he's only 21, 22, so I think he's 21, actually. You know, he's he's, he's still got, you know, bags of potential, bags of time to develop. And, you know, just on signing players that fit the system, I think, you know, Maeda, the, the, the really fast guy in Japan, you know, I think he actually played under Anja. Is it Yokohama? Yokohama, Yokohama. Marinas. Yeah. Uh, so I think he would definitely fit the system. Um I don't. I'm hoping that Ange wouldn't sort of tolerate any players that you know he doesn't want. You know, I think you see me, Brendan Rodgers. He, he didn't really want Marvin Compier and just didn't play him. So I'm hoping Ange takes the same approach. You know, if he's get, getting players that he doesn't want, he should just not play them because the system works and he needs players that fit the system. So hopefully, we do sign the the boy Maeda, uh, Maeda, Maeda, uh, and a few others from Japan in January. Um, just one of these comments coming in here um, Julian we've been Instagram post again from him today he seems to be there or thereabouts we hope um, I would like to see him come back before this international break but I would, would definitely um, put my neck in the line and say he'll definitely be back after the next international break but I do hope he returns before then because he looks as if he's he's lost the, the brace and all that stuff that he maybe had on in training just to give him that wee bit of extra support and that we will have the big Frenchman um, back. Um, Lawrence, just quickly before we finish, same starting living as Saturday or any changes for tomorrow night? Nah, I think Angel will keep it the same. You, you, you. <laughs> the, the, the team's got to be in good spirits just now. The, the one games I think he's going to keep it the same. Yeah. Good thing is though he does have options if he, if he does want to change it, doesn't he? You know, he can put Kyogo back up front but I, I, I think you, from his comments saying, you know, Kyogo's is effective out in the wings. If he believes he's been effective, I think he's going to pick him uh, and, and play him there. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll stay the same. I mean, that was some finish by uh, Yakimakis. I mean, Tony Ralston really put a lot of pace in that ball. A lot of finishing. Yeah, it, it's good to see him. You know, if we've got both won the park, it's, you know, another two goal scorers. You know, that they're threats. It's something different that maybe Hibs haven't seen too much of Yakimakis. So, I think he'd unsettle their defence as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think Andrew will change anything. I think he'll just go with his his his, his proven team from the weekend because that's probably as as controlled a performance you've seen against a really good St Johnson team that are well marshaled. You know they won two cups last year. Davidson's you know he's a good manager that sat in deep. He managed to get you know a couple of goals. It, Arguably, you, you know, a bit of luck. It could have been more. Mikey Johnson was really unlucky. You, you know, the ball comes back off the post. 
Absolutely, Patrick. You've said earlier on that you prefer Kugel through the middle, but do you think the manager will change it tomorrow night, or do you think we'll see the exact same team? I think he will change it. I think he'll put Kugel through the middle and he'll bring Abada back in. Uh, and as much as I don't want him to do it, I think he'll probably keep Jovanovic at left back and Ralston at right back. And I think the rest of the team will stay the exact same. We shall see. Um, as Boris said earlier on, trust the process. We do hope the big man gets it right. He's getting it right at this moment in this at this point in time and we hope it continues to get it right thank you to everybody as per usual for joining in on the comments been very very busy today um, we'll be back uh, the three of us will be back obviously next Tuesday and the bulletin will be running tomorrow as per usual and it'll be pre-match build up half time and post-match um, three of us will be back to talk about Livingston at the weekend probably this game at Easter Road and a, a build up to, to Phoenix Vardos next week but thanks to everybody for commenting if you haven't already Please subscribe to the channel. Lawrence Conley, Patrick McGill, thank you for joining me in a Celtic State of Mind. Number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.